A reading from Tool 1, Step Across the Threshold, from Stronger Everyday, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. Page 40. Early one morning when my thoughts wouldn't let me sleep, I flipped on the television to the HGTV channel. One of my favorite shows, Fixer Upper, with popular hosts Chip and Joanna Gaines, happened to be on. My favorite part of the show is watching this cute couple walk through the projected fixer-upper, room by room, sometimes foot by foot and inch by inch. They gaze at every corner of the space, noting big and little changes they want to make. Take this wall down. Replace the old paneling. Put new windows here. Add space to the living area. Give this outdated bathroom some shiny new tile. Their visionary spirit and construction expertise see what the normal untrained eye can't see. They always have a better repair method up their sleeves. This particular episode, I tuned in just as Chip feverishly and with seeming great joy demolished the siding of an old Texas farmhouse. Within minutes... Only a solid lumber skeleton remained, known in the construction industry as good bones. Suddenly, Joanna ambled into the room and beamed that radiant smile of hers, the design wheels whirling in her head. She stepped across the threshold with a spring in her step. Ready for a new story? She asked with gusto, lovingly brushing her hand against an antiquated wall as if talking to the house. Yep, it is time for this old farmhouse to have a new story, Chip. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. I'm so happy that you have found your way here and that you are with me as we begin this deep dive into my new book, Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. This book is so important to my heart because I want you and everyone in your spheres of influence to become healthy, 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 to practice what we call here in our community, the threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual fortitude, which is a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. Without a doubt, I have come to know that when this threefold cord anchors you, when it's your your anchor and you practice it on a day-to-day basis, you will in fact become whole and you will absolutely become stronger every day. As we begin, I just want to give a broad overview of how the book is structured. Instead of chapters, we have tools, T-O-O-L-S. So there are nine tools or nine chapters. And the book is broken up into three different parts. We have part one, which we're going to talk about today, envision. Part two is educate. And part three is establish. And at the end of every chapter is strength training for your soul. And that's where I give you some heart-lifting homework some exercises to practice throughout the week or the month, 
as you are making your way through the nine tools. Now, I'll tell you, I've had so many people say, this just isn't a book you pick up and read from beginning to end. I just don't seem to write that way. Because I am a trauma-informed therapist, I am also a teacher, I really wanted this particular book to equip you, actually, to be your own helper, to be your own therapist, to be your own mental health professional. Because I chose these nine tools strategically after many years of being in private practice, after many years of being in the public and speaking to hundreds and hundreds, I mean, thousands of women traveling internationally. I saw that if if we could possess, if we could have this emotional and mental health toolbox, and it, if it had these nine tools in it, then we would be able to live our life from a much better place. In fact, we would be stable. We would be secure. We wouldn't be perfect because we're we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to be practicing and progressing and maturing. And so I picked these nine tools, and I'll just offer them to you today. Tool one is meaningfulness, the pursuit of meaningfulness. Tool two is sit in God's presence. This is all about secure attachment. Tool three, shape healthy thoughts. Cognitive reframing. That's going to be all about how your brain thinks, how you create thoughts, how you have limiting beliefs, how you have negative thought cycles in your brain. And then we move to part two, which is educate. Tool four is shift from shaming to gracing. You hear me say that all the time. And that's all about self-compassion. And really, self-compassion is the threshold to really becoming our truest self. Tool five is speak healing words to your future. And that's all about how to develop that skill of healthy assertiveness. How to find and use your voice. And as you know, in this community, we equate voice with value. Once you know and possess your value, worth, and dignity, man, world's a different place. Tool six, you're going to soak in living water. And that is all about spiritual growth. And then we move into part three, which is the establish uh, movement of our journey. And we meet tool seven. We pick it up and we sharpen it and we put it in our toolbox. Send new positive messages to your brain. This is a little bit more, oh, neurological in sense where we're going to be talking about memory reconsolidation and how critical it is to make sure that all of our memories, because every memory that you have has an emotion attached to it be it positive or be it negative. And if it is a negative emotion and it is still attached to a memory and perhaps that memory is lodged deep within your subconscious, you may still be experiencing triggers from that memory, even if it happened when you were six or three or before you ever had any cognition that it happened to you. It's it's in your body. It's in your cells. As we know, the body keeps the score. So when we keep tripping over things, when we keep finding ourselves in the land of stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, why do I keep getting stuck in this area? Well, 
It's because we haven't consolidated. We haven't made peace or made meaning of certain memories or events or circumstances in our lives that that are still sitting in our amygdala, our fight, flight, or freeze, and need to be consolidated and put into our hippocampus. So we'll be talking all about that brain science when we get to tool seven. Tool eight, we pick up the tool of soaring, S-O-A-R, in healthy skies. And that's all about emotion regulation, self-control. How do we control our emotions so that they don't control us? That's a good one. And then we come to tool nine, mental energy. Save it. Save your mental energy for the essentials. And this tool is all about the power of human connection. Yeah. No healing happens in isolation. Our brains actually need connection with other human beings to heal. It's a fascinating chapter, fascinating tool to possess. So part one is all about envisioning. And envision means to imagine as a future possibility. Visualize, to picture mentally. Yeah, it's like visioneering, as pastor and author Andy Stanley writes about so beautifully. Jeremiah 29, 11 is the verse that we're going to be standing on. It's our prophetic footing for this movement, part one. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Eternal, plans for peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Never forget that. So we, we're going to remind ourselves of that very often. So here we are at tool one. What I need you to do, because I've already talked about the introduction when the book came out a few months ago, I was so excited and just wanted to hop right in because uh, the, the introduction is so beautiful and it's all about that beautiful Japanese art form of kintsugi, which is a better repair method for repairing beautiful ancient teaware. And so hop on back to season five, episode three, Where the Light Enters. If you don't want to do that right now, you can certainly go and visit that and be introduced to the book there. But today, it's all about tool one, step across the threshold, meaningfulness, the pursuit of meaningfulness. And I've been on lots of podcasts and news shows and radio shows uh, for the book and talking about the book. And it, it's always been the same question. People like scratching their head going, why would you start a book about emotional healing with meaningfulness? What What is that all about? And I just, I giggle every time. The intention of tool one, I step across the threshold of my meaningful new story. And I quote from The Forgotten Garden by Kate Morton. He had the vague sense of standing on a threshold, the crossing of which would change everything. Oh, Heartlifter, right now, we're just going to take a pause. This is a just a meditative moment. I hope to weave these through this entire journey because a huge part of the journey is about thresholds. Transformation always involves transition. 
And transition can be uncomfortable, disorienting, painful. You know, as I as I share with you now, we're we're in a transitional period on a global level. As we're coming out of a global pandemic that shut our world down for over way over 500 days now. And we're all trying to come back to this thing we called life <laughs> as we knew it then. But can we? Because it's a new normal. And I know I'm not the same. You you have heard me say that. And I just wonder, are you the same? And so I think it's the perfect time to go through this book where we are going to figure out who we are and what is our purpose now post-pandemic. Who are we? What's our mission and our purpose? What's changed? I was with a a client yesterday, and and at the end of our very long, intense session, I just said, who are you becoming today? Every day we can ask ourselves that question because we are, especially when we're committed to a stronger everyday journey with a growth mindset, growth is a part of our DNA. We don't want to stay the same. We want to grow stronger, wiser, happier, more fulfilled, and have more meaning and purpose in our life. So as I began the episode today, I read from the beginning of Tool One about Chip and Joanna Gaines and how I love watching the beginning of their Fixer Upper show when they come in and they just, they get so excited. They're so full of envisioning, right? Visioning what they're going to see in the future. They don't They don't even see in the present. They're just like, oh, we got to take that wall down, man. We got to increase the space in this room. It needs to get bigger. And it's just so exciting to watch them. So I'm going to read now from page 41. When I took a trip later after I saw that particular episode to visit my son, Grant, and his wife, Kristen, in Kansas. So page 41, and I'm going to read till probably about page 43. Gutting to good emotional bones. So remember that uh, the beginning of the program today, I talked about how in the construction industry, the lumber skeleton that is left after you gut a house or a room is, is called good bones. So we're going to get to good emotional bones in tool one. A few months later, while in Kansas to celebrate Thanksgiving with my son and his wife, I had a Joanna Gaines moment. (laughs) Lovingly brushing my hand against an antiquated wall, the rough paint-chipped wall of my son's new, yet very old, recently purchased circa 1915 fixer-upper. When I stepped across the threshold, my heart sank. To the naked eye, this house looked like a lost cause. I thought, oh my, what has my son gotten himself into here? What must his bride of one year be thinking about all this? I wanted to call in an HGTV intervention and make it all better. Isn't that what good moms do? Make life easier? Save their children from any and all pain? A wave of wisdom came over me. I stepped back to take it all in. Even if I could have given them a check for a million dollars, which I'm sure they would have gladly received— That would have gotten in the way and denied Grant and Kristen the incredible rewards of transforming this broken house into their home. This labor of love had to be done on their own. My son shared his vision for their future family dwelling. 
As we walked around, peering in rooms, I watched his six-foot-five frame duck under eaves. Slowly and with great admiration, I caught his vision. He talked about his ideas for the master bedroom, the upstairs bathroom, and most importantly, the kitchen. Suddenly, he was ten years old again, sprawled out on his bedroom floor, surrounded by a million plastic building blocks, building a city or a park or an entire community. But this time, his creation was going to be real. With great pride, he shared his ideas. I'm going to frame a closet here. I'm going to add a window here. I'm going to take out this wall. I'm going to update the upstairs bathroom, gut it down to its bones. And I'm going to rip up the carpet and let the solid wood floors shine. Within minutes, I started seeing their home through his eyes. I had often believed that all the hours he and his sister spent building and dreaming with toy blocks would one day have real-life benefits. Thankfully, they did. I reassured myself that he would eventually figure out this bigger design puzzle, and suddenly I felt quite peaceful inside. Before purchasing the house, they had learned it was a happy place. The original owners taught piano lessons, and the home was a hub in the neighborhood. To my son, this old house had simply lost its heartbeat. All it needed was someone to see it had good bones and to give it a chance. The heart of this fixer-upper had obviously called out and invited Grant and Kristen to do just that. Their inspiring vision took me out of my head and its worry thoughts and into my heart, its faith thoughts. As we meandered into the backyard, I sat down on an old, dilapidated bench left by the previous owners. History seemed to embrace me. I mentally picked up my pen and began writing a note to my future self. Dear future self, take this all in. Look at your grandchildren running and playing. Giggles and backyard adventures fill the air. Rounds of flashlight tag in the long days of summer snowball fights, and snowmen building in the harsh Kansas winters. Long, long talks about life and love and family. I smiled inside and outside. Kristen came and sat next to me. We played a game of catch with Midas, their golden Labrador retriever, and my first grandpup. Between every exchange of the saliva-saturated bright green tennis ball, my lovely daughter and I shared a few meaningful moments together. Sitting there was an answered prayer and a dream come true, actually. When my husband Rob and I were first dating, we talked for hours about our hopes and desires for the future, a future that seemed a long, long way away. Having come from unhealthy alcoholic homes, we knew we wanted a committed relationship and a strong core of faith at at our family center, and we desperately hoped for a God-sized legacy filled with a whole lot of healthy relationships, laughter, and love. One truth had led us to this moment in time. Many waters cannot quench love, writes wise King Solomon. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 7. There's something special about this place, I said to Kristen, smiling. Expectancy and joy filled the few crevices of worry that lingered in this mama's heart. 
This house has good bones, I thought. Really, really good bones. It needs a great deal of work, yes. But what it really needs is a whole lot of love. Unconditional love, I would add now. The kind of love that money can't buy. I believe you and Gran are going to love this place back to life, I said. It hasn't finished telling its story. It has a lot more to say. That's page 42 and 43. At the end of 43, I asked that question. Do you need to be loved back to life like Grant and Kristen's house, like all the houses that Chip and Joanna Gaines meet (laughs) and walk through? They bring their restoration energy. They bring their faith inside when they cross the threshold of these houses that are going to be gutted to their good bones. I write, I'd like you to think now of this book, Stronger Every Day, as your emotional health and wellness fixer-upper. Would you think of this book that way? I'm asking you that today. Like to take it, take it that serious that as I'm trying to navigate coming back into the world after a global pandemic, there's no way, honestly, that we can come back to that as the same person we were before it. We may be subconsciously hiding some some deep traumas or changes we really don't want to make, but For these next nine weeks, give it take an hour or two here or there, would you allow me to be your emotional health and wellness fixer-upper coach? Would you see this book as your guide? And maybe for this short season of reset, You put all other books away outside of the Bible, of course. (laughs) I want you to have that Bible near you. And really focus. Give this book some deep focus. I read a book a while ago called Deep Work. It's fascinating. And it encourages us to laser focus in on something we really want to learn and accomplish because we are so distracted and, well, there's no other word, distracted, because distracted means a calling of your mind a hundred million different ways. And so I know I can't go without picking up my phone for 10 minutes. It's like crazy. I, I just always have a tablet, a phone, a computer, something. But what if, just what if we decide over these next nine weeks, this summertime season or wherever you are, could be winter where you are, This season, you go, listen, I'm going to really focus. I'm going to do some deep work using Stronger Every Day. And I'm going to put these nine tools, I'm going to get to understand them and begin practicing them. And I I can really guarantee you almost that at the end of the nine weeks, if and when you put this kind of mental energy and time and focus really focus is what i'm 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 really pleading here for the deep work of focus like i'm just going to pick up this book 
So I was somewhere the other day and a, and a, you know, really wonderful woman was like, oh, I've got like so many books to read through. And I'm like, what? You know what? You really just need to pick one right now. Listen, I've got about 20 to my right that I'm looking at. <laughs> I get it. But what if, what if we just focus on that? And if we do, I promise I'm going to walk you through your heart chamber by chamber maybe even heartbeat by heartbeat, in order to create a remarkable new heart filled with everything it needs to live into a beautiful new story. I'm reading on page 44. Antiquated patterns of behaving and paint-chipped communicating skills will be made brand new. We're gutting to your emotional bones. Oh yeah, we are. And the result's going to be absolutely glorious. We're going to take down maybe a wall of defensiveness. We're going to replace an old grudge with forgiveness. I'm adding right now, we're going to replace (laughs) bitterness. Yeah. With betterness. How about that? We're going to rewire old triggers lodged in your neural pathways, and we're going to consolidate them. We're going to open new windows of joy and laughter and playfulness and freedom. And we're going to add on a whole expansion, maybe just a whole brand new expansion of healthy emotional space. You see, you, my friend, and if you're joining this journey, then I'm going to call you Heartlifter because that's what we call ourselves here in the Stronger Everyday community. You have very good bones. I mean, very good bones. You haven't finished telling your story, and I believe you have a whole lot left to say. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. <laughs> the younger, the better, because I, as I was sharing with a, a 20-something beautiful, heartlifting pilgrim the other day in a, in a session, I said, I'm so happy you're doing this work right now because you've got a lifetime ahead of you, hopefully. But nonetheless, nonetheless, my dear mama did a whole lot of work the last few years of her life and before she passed at 92. Never too late, never too early. At the end of this journey, you will have a shiny brand new toolkit filled with nine highly efficient and effective emotional health and wellness tools designed to help you live into your healthy new story. And it's going to be filled now with life. We're going to go into the shadows, maybe to those places that feel dead inside of you or numb. We're going to go in and we're going to breathe life into them. We're going to shine new light on them. We're going to rewire your internal electrical system so that your nervous system is operating from the parasympathetic state and not the sympathetic, so that you move through life with more positive energy. If we can't find answers, then we'll just keep asking and seeking and knocking, as Matthew tells us to do in his book, The Gospels. When the renovation gets too hard or fatigue sets in, then we'll, we'll take some breaks. There's some rest stops along the way, and we'll encourage one another. That's just what we do here. So I write in this chapter that we are on our way to living a eudaimonious life. 
And uh, eudaimonia is a concept that hails from the work of ancient philosopher and scientist Aristotle back in 384 to 322 BC. In his studies and writings on the science of happiness, and Brent Strawn writes, the philosophical study of happiness is as old as Aristotle and in truth is older than him. But Aristotle is seminal and his work on what constitutes the good life is a starting point for many serious discussions of happiness today. This holds true for the most recent extensive and empirical study of happiness, which is the purview of positive psychology, the pursuit of eudaimonia, or meaningfulness, hence the title of this tool, most often involves stress, effort, and struggle, and doesn't cultivate immediate happiness but it does ultimately make us better people. And I frame this biblically in the words of Paul to the church in Ephesus. And it's Ephesus 3, 14 through 21. And I'll read this as we're closing. For this reason, I, Paul, kneel before the Father. So you can put your name in here. For this reason, I, Janelle, kneel before you, God, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of your glorious riches, that you may strengthen me with power through your spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. So I'm making this personal. And I pray that I will be rooted and established in love, that I'll have power together with all of the Lord's holy people in this stronger everyday community to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses all knowledge, so that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Just pausing here because that one partial end of that sentence is really the defining essence of the pursuit of meaningfulness. It is that we will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, we stop way short of that. Just ask yourself that right now. Am I living? Am I every day waking up seeking to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? He continues in verse 20 and 21 verses, Now to the God who can do so many awe-inspiring things, immeasurable things, things greater than we ever could ask or imagine through the power at work in us, to him be all glory in the church and in Jesus the anointed from this generation to the next forever and ever. I want true eudaimonia for you. And in order to, for you to accomplish that pursuit in your life, you're going to need these nine tools. The first three tools that we're going to be looking at in this first movement of our three-part movement, those envision tools are the pursuit of meaningfulness, secure attachment, and cognitive reframing. These three tools invite us to imagine and visualize our future possibilities. It's going to guide us, okay? And that's where we're starting today. 
So in the Strength Training for the Soul, that starts page 53, goes to, let me turn a page, goes all the way to 58. So you have quite a few little pages of heart lifting homework and strength training for your soul. You're going to do some exercises and be introduced to some beautiful practices that will help you begin to understand what eudaimonia and the pursuit of meaningfulness begins. And one of them is just a beautiful exercise about sauntering and walking. And so I'm going to read that, page 54. Ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu adds this thought, do the difficult things while they are easy and do the great things while they are small. A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. Positive psychology is defined as a field of psychological theory and research that focuses on the psychological states of contentment and joy. And individual traits or character strengths like intimacy, integrity, altruism, wisdom, and social institutions that enhance subjective well-being and make life most worth living. It's based on how to achieve an optimal state of performance in our life, which they call flow, F-L-O-W. So flow I'm proposing here later in one of the latter tools that when we live a life of meaningfulness, then we really live more out of a state of flow instead of fight, flight, and freeze. Fight, flight, and freeze that's our survival mechanism, is saved for the really, really dangerous things like a bear's running after us or we see our child going out into the street. So we need it to keep us safe. But living day to day, we want to operate from just this beautiful state of flow. And he says, the best moments in our lives are not the passive, receptive, relaxing times. The best moments usually occur if a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. And the developer of this, I will never be able to say his last name, co-founder Mahali Chesamakahali, I don't know, I'm so sorry, I'm butchering his name, but the co-founder of Positive Psychology, he gave us these eight basic characteristics of what it looks like to live a life of flow and meaning. So I'm going to offer them as we close today. And they're on page 54 and 55. And I just want you to revisit them. And I give a beautiful intention at the end of each one of those that you can repeat as you're beginning this journey. You're going to have complete concentration on the task. So that's why I was asking you earlier, can you give me nine weeks? where you just study my book, you take it to heart, you implement the practices and principles, you pick up the tools, you sharpen them, you fall down, you get up again, keep your Bible close to you, and you give this heart-lifting pilgrimage deep focus. And we start with this intention. I commit to becoming stronger every day. To move in flow, we have to have a clarity of our goals and reward in mind and immediate feedback. So I write, as I apply and practice the nine tools in Stronger Every Day, I will find more meaning, more purpose, and more joy. The reward at the end of this nine weeks is you becoming a healthier, happier, holier, more sound-minded, 
more peace-filled, and that you actually find yourself laughing a lot more than you did at the beginning. Third is a transformation of time. So we're speeding up or slowing down at different times. So the intention here is at times this journey might feel accelerated. It might feel too fast. And at other times it might feel very slow and frustrating. I embrace both. So this is sitting with the unpleasant and the pleasant. And I can frame this very well with that young client I was sharing the other day. She went, I just don't want to move too fast. I don't want to go too fast. I'm I'm nervous. And I'm like, hey, 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 we're good. I'm here as your guide. I'm your conductor in this beautiful journey. And I know when, when it's becoming too fast for you, I will pick up those cues and we'll take a break. So it's a natural tendency to kind of panic a little bit because it's transformation. But transformation tends to work at its own pace. We just have to be alert and aware. And and it's usually, that's when we need the guide. The guide's going to go, I think you need to calm down a little bit or maybe take a little break. Four, the experience is intrinsically rewarding and it is an end in itself. So the intention here is true change happens from the inside out. Fifth is effortless and ease. With God's help, I overcome. You see, when we're in the flow of transformation and pilgrimage, there will be a certain effortlessness and ease. And I receive that from the Holy Spirit from my Father in heaven. I'm like, you know, this is getting to be a little much. But that's also when we go back to number four and we say, I think I just need a little rest break. Maybe I just need to take a few days where I'm not reading anything. I'm just experiencing nature. I'm doing something good for myself. I know myself. I've got a week of vacation during this nine weeks. Building rest stops into our journey of transformation. Six, balance between challenge and skills. So we're going to set reasonable goals on this transformation journey. Reasonable goals. That's going to be very centric. Seven, actions and awareness are merged, losing self-conscious rumination. So here, I experience flow and deep satisfaction right now. This means we stay in the moment. We implement mindful meditation. We go to our audio meditations. We go to our daily examine. We go to our Lexio Divina. We practice those contemplative practices of silence, stillness, and solitude. And finally, we get a feeling of control over the task. I am confident and secure In this process, when my heart does become overwhelmed, God is present to help. And you'll begin to implement these eight characteristics of flow in the the final heart-lifting exercise on page 56 and 57 and 58, where you take some sauntering time. Saunter just means to... (laughs) It means to take a walk in a slow and relaxed way. So we're going to have sauntering and sitting and seeing. We're going to slow down our tempo. 
We're going to learn to transition from power walking to sauntering. We're going to take more deep breaths. We're going to learn some mindfulness programs. And there's going to be so many bonus episodes on this journey that will help you. Those will be our rest stops. So that when something is overwhelming you, you're going to garner some more tools to help. I have some special guests coming that are just going to be life-giving for you. They have been so life-giving to me. And so I can't wait to bring you these special guests who will also serve as guides. So here we go. Thanks so much for taking this journey with me and with the Stronger Everyday community. Be sure to join our online community over on Facebook, the Stronger Everyday community. It's a heart-lifting community, Stronger Everyday. You will receive all that you need if you just subscribe to my e-newsletter every Monday. That'll come out uh, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, and it will have everything you need where all the resources are going to be. I wanted this to be as relaxed as possible and not rigid and uh, so that you can work at your own pace, but yet still have an online community where you can receive some additional bonus resources and help and have some conversations with others who are on this journey. That's our goal. And I am just so grateful you're here. So Heartlifter, remember this. You are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear. Yeah, that's right. Nothing to fear. You can smile at your future because I'm here to tell you it's really bright. Until next time.